sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. If you're joining us now for this second hour, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. I, of course, am Craig Mish. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. So follow Joe at Joe Pizzapia17. And we're going to have a fun hour here. We're going to talk some DFS golf in just a few minutes with our good friend Joel Schreck, who had a very interesting uh, conversation with me, and I want to bring it to you. We're going to have that coming up in just a few minutes, recapping some of our top stories from the day in baseball as it pertains. Baseball is the sport that's coming back, so uh, we got top stories there. He bets of the Los Angeles Dodgers is closing in on a deal that's being reported by ESPN in the 10 to 15-year range, over $350 million, clearly either the highest-paid contract in the history of baseball or very close. We'll have to see if that ends up playing out. And then, Joe, within the last hour, MLB.com's Anthony DeComo reported that Marcus Stroman doesn't sound 100% for opening day, which is uh, another Mets story that feels like it's just on this repeat loop for the last 10 years with their starting pitching. And, uh, man, like I, I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's just every year there's some other issue with injuries with the Mets. And Jacob DeGrom sounded fairly confident that he's going to be able to start on Friday. But now we get this news of Stroman, and Stroman was not going to start opening day for them, but he's a critical piece for their starting rotation this year with Wheeler going on to Philadelphia and Syndergaard being out for the season. Yeah, he's become way more critical because of the Syndergaard injury, let's be honest. I mean, that's the that's the real one here, what puts a lot of pressure. Now it says it's tightness, so we're going to see where that leads to. But uh, again, we can't have this because guys missing two or three starts potentially in this season, it really does change the dynamic. And look, you're going to have to start digging down to some names here. There's going to be a lot of spot starters, I feel like, Craig. There's going to be a lot of guys making appearances. Some of these guys that you think are swing men, guess what? Maybe that's the way to go if you don't want to start drafting low-end starting pitchers. Maybe a vulture some wins with some guys who are really good in the middle of games. But uh, another injury, hopefully, that the Mets can sustain. Hopefully, Stroman can make his schedule start when it comes up there. But at least DeGrom seems promising. I've got to look forward to something, right? Yeah, and, and I think that you got to look forward to just making sure that the Mets stay on the field, man. Like This is the same thing going on year after year with them, but... Uh, look, in this particular situation, I don't know the extent of of where Degrom's at. I guess it's his calf, but there's there's you know, that's that's pushing off your leg. I, I don't I don't see any scenario. And and where was uh, Strowman in the rotation? Was he the third starter, second starter? I don't even recall. I know that he wasn't first. I'm not sure where they were going to be slotting him, to be honest with you. I would I would imagine he's second now. I mean, you've got Porcello, you've got Waka, you've got Mats, right? I would think Waka is your fifth. Mats is probably your fourth, uh, unless you want to put Mats in the third spot uh, just to, you know, to turn things over as the lefty there. I mean, I guess that makes sense potentially. So Stroman, to me, I guess is the two. But he's not going to be the two right now, so make your lineup set accordingly as you're trying to set things. And, man, this is starting to feel more and more like managing the NBA than managing Major League Baseball as we get closer and closer. 
It ain't easy, that's for sure. And I know in, uh, in the NBA DFS lineups have been impossible having to set those within an hour, mm-hmm. and, and even this yeah. year could be even tougher. Uh, so the other part of the season that is different is certainly no fans in the stadium, and we've talked about that a ton. Travel, some of it's being done on the same day. Players, executives saying it's sort of weird to go into new stadiums having not been there, not seeing anyone at any of these huge stadiums. I went through that a few weeks ago at Marlins Park, walking into a stadium where you seat 40,000, and all jokes aside, uh, literally there's people there always, and there was no one there. And it's just a weird, eerie feeling, I think, to go through that. And Aaron Judge, of course, of the New York Yankees, is used to seeing 50,000, 60,000 fans in the stadium when he ends up going there and uh and judge basically said that yeah it's going to be weird this year and he told the media it's just something they're going to have to get used to can it is going to be a little you know leery i guess you know like you say getting on a train you know traveling to a different city we've kind of been in our own little bubble here in new york our own little bubble in tampa so i think kind of leaving that bubble is going to be uh a little difficult but this is what we signed up for we wouldn't have signed up for these you know for this if we weren't aware of the risk and what we had to kind of face, you know, these next couple of months. But this team, we're, the Yankees have prepared us well. You know, they've, you know, given us the do's and don'ts, what to do. So I think this is a team and an organization. We're going to do our best to keep everybody safe. And I think, um, I think we're going to be all right. So uh, we'll be good. And as we welcome in our radio audience here on SportsGrid, that was Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees talking about just the differences in this 60-game sprint, Joe, that everyone is calling it. And uh, it's look, a lot of it is going to take getting used to. And it's just better than what we have had, which is nothing. And that's sort of the way that I look at it. Now, I think that's the very healthy way of looking at Something is better than nothing, especially when it comes to sports and just getting sports back and that feeling of normalcy. I think we all need it, too. I mean, so many of us, uh, sports is our outlet. And without that, I mean, it's been very difficult, even more difficult. We talked about it before in the show. When there was 9-11, we still had sports. Where there was wars, we still had sports. Where there was a thing going on, we had the outlet of sports. And with this current climate of what's going on here, the social unrest, also the, the pandemic, not having sports has been really difficult. It's made it doubly worse, I think. So hopefully getting back to some kind of normal is where we're going to be with that. And uh, look, it'll be a different normal. It'll be a new normal, but at least it'll be something. Yep, and we'll have opening day tomorrow. Yankees and Washington Nationals will have a full preview on tomorrow's show. Bernie Pleskoff, former MLB scout, is going to join us on the program. And, of course, uh, NASCAR back tomorrow night as well. So Matt Sells will join us with a preview of that. But coming up next, it's time for one of the all-time bad beats in DFS. You go into a golf tournament. You put down some money. You end up winning more than six figures. It ends. And then after the golf event ends... You find out you didn't win, but the golfer that you bet on and you put your money on did win. A bizarre story. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, here on SportsGrid, we tell the good stories, the bad stories, sometimes the ugly stories, too. But here's kind of a fun one. 
as uh, I don't know if you guys caught this over the weekend, but it was a really exciting finish, of course, to uh, one of the golf events this weekend. And, of course, John Ram ended up winning, and there was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of pageantry with that. But there's never as much when you have money on something. And to talk about that specifically and what went down is Joel Shrek. He joins us now, and we're going to get into exactly what happened with him this weekend and just how important that finish of the golf tournament really was for him. Joel, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I I appreciate it. All right, so, uh, Joel, let's kind of set the scene here. Uh, You're a DFS player. You play all the time on FanDuel. Uh, This weekend, you dipped your toe into a little PGA action, and you wanted to take advantage of information or basically something that you thought that you'd have a lot of success at, which made sense. And, by the way, uh, after people hear the story, it's going to make a lot of sense. But tell everybody out there exactly what happened, because there are some people who watched the finish, but maybe didn't think the the finish was as important to them as it was to you. Funny enough, you know, when you actually look at the full context, context is key in these things, right? Sure. The finish and the way that ruling shook out probably affected me more than anyone else in the world. Right. Rom still won the tournament. He still gets the, the prize. Uh, I lose $150,000, unfortunately. Um, wow. and, and so the way it worked was I was in the tournament, $200,000 first prize. Uh, I'm at my parents' house. I'm with family. And there's a lot of people there. We don't have the volume on the TV. I'm just kind of following along. So I don't hear them talking about the penalty that might get assessed. I don't ever, that's never even brought to my attention. So as I watch, I knew on that hole, he didn't have a good shot. He was in a bad position in the rough. So I knew that if he bogeyed that hole, I might be in trouble, and it's going to be hard for me to win the tournament. But if he parred, I knew I was going to be in good shape to win a lot of money. Right. He chips it in, and he goes right in. Which, first of all, is an incredible shot that he hit. The shot that he hit that goes in the hole is unbelievable. And you can imagine, not only does he hit this incredible shot, but it basically secures me winning $200,000. So jubilant, right? High-fiving my brother, my, my pet, my, now my mom and my wife, they don't understand what DFS is, right? <laughs> keep in mind, I just started playing DFS golf three weeks ago. Oh, On wow. Week one, I won $1,000. Week two, I won $50,000. Week three, I'm about to win $200,000. My wife's like, how much are you gambling? Right? They're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I promise you, this is not, I'm not gambling too much. And then they sit here and, well, you know, obviously the ruling happens. And my buddy starts texting me. He's like, put on the TV. They're going to reverse it. I'm like, first of all, I don't even know what they're talking about yet because I haven't been listening. So I put on, and the guy comes on, and the way he explains it, he's like, so, um, you know, it's not really going to affect the match, but we are going to assess Rom the penalty because, you know, it's not really that much of an effect, but just to be safe. And I'm looking at him like, what? Why would you do that? And all of that, I'm seeing that this is going to cost me $150,000. And you can imagine how, you know, it's crushing. So oh. now, you know, you got my wife who doesn't understand my mom. They're both like, you lost $150,000? I'm like, well, yes, technically, but not out of my bank account. You never no. had it. You never had it in the first place. <laughs> right. So they're like mad that I lost $150,000. And I'm trying to explain to them, like, no, no, no. It's bad that I lost it, but not that type of bad. Like, let's get a different ship to focus here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was obviously a crushing feeling, but uh, you know, it's hard to complain, I guess, when you when you won a hundred thousand dollars your first three weeks playing fantasy sports. Oh yeah, that's for sure. And you know, the other thing, Joel, is that I, I don't think that people realize the scope of of what it entailed there because we've seen bad beats in in the NBA and college basketball with a guy hitting a meaningless bucket. But usually, at the end of a game, in those situations, Joel, especially in a basketball game where 
basically a, a shot is made at the end, if it's questionable as to whether or not the guy got the shot in, if it has no meaning on the outcome of the game, most times, you know, the players just go to their locker rooms and that's the end of it, which makes this so interesting because Rom had this thing won and there was no issue whatsoever. It was done. And just for the sake of taking a stroke, I mean, the only person I'm sorry to say it affected was you. <laughs> oh, I know. And the, the sad part about it is even, you know, Rom himself is like, listen, I don't even remember it happening, but it doesn't make any difference. So sure, assess the penalty. He doesn't care. He's nothing to him. And what was it assessed for specifically? Um, so if you watch the clip, what and what happened, if you watch it and you'll see people because it now obviously I'm obsessed, right? I'm reading about everything online. Sure. People everyone's saying like, that's ridiculous. Golf is such a stickler. So he's it's in a deep rough the shot, right? And he's lining it up and he's getting his club kind of prepared like you would in a sand trap shot, right? Getting ready to hit the shot. And his club hits the grass, not the ball, hits the grass. But the part of the grass that it hits make the ball slightly move. Doesn't improve his life. It doesn't do anything. The ball slightly moves. So there's two factors here. One, if it wasn't Rom, if it was any other golfer, it wouldn't have been on TV. No one would have noticed it. It never would have been noticed. So it had to be Rom or, or Palmer. Otherwise, it wouldn't have mattered. Two, it did nothing. It didn't improve his life. The ball barely moved. There's like a, a little tink of a movement, and that's what cost me fifty thousand dollars. All right. So, um, I, I, do you play any other DFS? I know some of the other sports are are coming up here. Are you going to get involved in baseball, basketball? I would hate to have you have another bad beat and bring you back on the show for that. I'm I'm looking forward to the bubble opening up in the NBA and getting back involved on uh, FanDuel and playing some NBA. Uh, DraftKings and and FanDuel uh, tournaments. It's um, I like FanDuel's format for the NBA with uh, you pick by position. You know, two point guards, two shooting guards. So uh, when that gets up and ready to go, I'm going to be fully invested in the NBA. And then when football comes around, uh, hopefully, hopefully we have some good stories to tell, and you guys can invite me back on for something a little bit more positive. Yeah, no. When you when I mean, listen, you you're very positive. I mean, you how much you how much do you say you've won in three weeks? A hundred. Just over, yeah, a little bit over 100,000. So, so so let me ask you, what have you done for the last few months? Have you done any sports at all, or this is just your first time diving into this? This is my first time diving into golf, but I've been, okay. so I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty invested uh, DFS football okay. player, um, and I'm a, and I like playing the NBA, uh, but, you know, golf was just something I hadn't really been that because of, it's really because of quarantine, right? There's nothing else on. I'm just kind of sitting here. I'm not leaving the house. I figured let's give golf a shot and it seems to be working out pretty well for me thus far. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would say that for sure. When it, when it came to the strategy, as far as, as golf was concerned, like, I mean, maybe, I mean, we, you know, certainly have our own experts on every single week, but, you know, based on the results that you've had, uh, give us a quick rundown as to how you prepare your lineups each week. So it's interesting. I think for a lot of guys that play serious DFS, right? So guys are in every week and really taking it seriously. I'm pretty unique in that. I know how they do it. I know they use you know these algorithms and spreadsheets and they upload players. I manually enter every lineup from my phone. Pick every player. No spreadsheets. No you know this percent ownership. I'm taking every lineup. I manually do it myself. Um, now I, I mean just being transparent for people who are new to do DFS and trying to understand it. It helps to play a lot of lineups, right? I think either the odds are in your favor. Yeah. You play five lineups versus 50, right? The 50 are going to have a much better chance. So that's definitely a part of it, right? I play different themes. Um, my first big win was in December. It was it was NFL. Um, and I was, you know, I played maybe 10 lineups in the, in the tournament. 
And nine of the lineups, I remember the day, the, the morning game, it was like one of those days, it was a Thursday, there was three games. And um, in the morning, it was the Bucks and the Texans. It's supposed to be a high-scoring game. Everyone played them. I faded that game, and I put all players in the Niners-Rams in the afternoon. I was the only guy in the tournament that did that. The Niners and the Rams was the high-scoring game. I won $100,000, and then I basically said. All right, so listen, you, I would say that it's not beginner's luck for you winning it at golf because you've had a lot of success playing at other things. And I will and I will give you this commitment, Joel, the next, not bad beat, but the next good win that you have, like a six-figure win. We'll talk about how you put that all together because we love talking to winners here on SportsGrid. And certainly once basketball starts and you're involved on FanDuel, we'd love to catch up again. So thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, Joel. Sorry about the little loss, but in the end, you've won a lot of money. So, I mean, nothing to be uh, upset about. Thanks again. I certainly appreciate you having me on, and I hope uh, you'll be having me back sooner than later to have the good stories. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Joel, for coming on. We'll be back with more Sports Grid right here on Fantasy Sports Today, right after this. Stay on the grid. Don't go away. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In baseball, we're awaiting official word, but it does seem like the Toronto Blue Jays have found a new home with just days to go before the start of the 2020 Major League season. Hazel May of MLB Network was reporting that the Blue Jays have been told they'll play their home games at PNC Park in Pittsburgh in 2020. The Blue Jays will not be able to play in Toronto after government officials said MLB games would not be allowed in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We await word on an official agreement between the Blue Jays, the Pirates, Major League Baseball, and the city of Pittsburgh. In the NBA, we get the National Basketball Association back in our lives on Wednesday. Scrimmages line the day will give us a first look at potential minutes restrictions heading into the restart next week and potential youngsters who have influence over the Orlando playoffs. Clippers guard Patrick Beverly left Orlando on Tuesday night to address an emergency personal matter, and he intends to rejoin the team in the future. That's according to ESPN. They are already shorthanded. Beverly is the second Clippers player to leave Orlando. Martrezel Harrell had an excused absence for a family emergency. If Beverly continues to be tested regularly while he is away and return negative results, he will have to quarantine for four days when he returns to the NBA's campus near Orlando. If he isn't, Beverly could be subject to up to two weeks of quarantine when he gets back. Marvin Bagley's right foot injury will keep him out for the entire restart of the NBA season. Although he is expected to make a full recovery, he'll miss out on the entirety of the bubble season. Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz won't play in Wednesday's scrimmage game for the Orlando Magic. Alex Len is set to sit out for the Sacramento Kings. In the NFL, according to a report on ESPN.com from Dan Graziano, 
if and when NFL training camps open next week, and it seems like we're heading in that direction, team rosters will include a maximum of 80 players as opposed to the usual 90. This is an effort to help enforce social distancing measures in team facilities. This is according to sources of Dan Graziano's who were on an NFLPA players call Tuesday night discussing details of the league's latest proposal on coronavirus protocols. In the college ranks, West Virginia and defense coordinator Vic Koning have mutually agreed to separate. The school announced Wednesday, a month after it began an investigation into allegations Koning's mistreatment of players. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thank you very much, Dan. We're back here on Fantasy Sports today on Sports Grid. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia as we get much closer to opening day, which is about 24, uh, 30 hours from now. So we'll touch on a lot of different topics as it pertains to baseball. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17. That's how you get us here on the show. Uh, Joe, there, I would say at this point, are a lot of people that have probably already redrafted their fantasy teams. Maybe they're waiting for the last minute, which they probably should based on all this information that's been happening over the last couple of days. Uh, But in fantasy, there also have been a lot of trades thus far. And it's interesting that some of the same names keep popping up over and over again in these fantasy leagues where they've decided to essentially punt on a player that they've already taken. Who are some of those guys? Yes, well, idle hands make idle trades, and when people are just kind of sitting around in quarantine, it's crazy, but you look at some of the numbers on a place like CBS and some of the most traded names of players and how much activity there has been as people are trying to constantly reshape their roster. And look, some of this has to do with keeper leagues and dynasty leagues and, and whatnot, players that are owned regardless, not necessarily in redrafts, but even in redrafts too. A lot of people have been making a lot of trades. I get messages I'll tell you, uh, April, May, June, even through July, I'm getting trade questions about baseball teams. And should I deal this guy for that guy? Because people are just trying to constantly get a leg up. So what we want to do today is take a look at some of the names that have really been the most traded and whether or not Craig and I want to be on the side that is trading away or trading for one of these players. And let's start with Corey Seager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, we know Gavin Lux is not going to be starting the season. So uh, Corey Seager is going to have a little bit more attention on him in this infield. And Corey Seager, just a few years ago, Craig was a guy who was getting drafted very early. We're talking in a 15 team league. He was going somewhere around that early second round. Some guys were even reaching for him before the turn because they wanted to make sure they had the next big thing in Corey Seager. Well, Corey Seager's had a bunch of injuries. Corey Seager looks like a very nice player, but maybe a player that did not live up to the expectations or the hype, but he's still relatively young. And I guess the question is, Craig, when you look at the stats here, he's going to hit the 270s, he's going to score 80 runs, drive in 80 runs, probably going to hit close to 20 home runs in a regular season. Is Corey Seager a player in the future you want to be trading away or a player you want to be trading for? I think four. I think now is a great time to buy low on this player. And, you know, when, when you have Tommy John surgery and you miss a year as a position player, I don't see that as an indictment. And in particular for Seager, I, I just don't understand why everyone is just so off him all of a sudden. I, I thought the year that he had last year was pretty solid. Uh, 19 mm-hmm. home runs, 87 runs driven in, scored 82 runs, missed some time, of course, with the injury. But I could see him becoming an MVP candidate again. And so just like people are, are sort of off Carlos Correa because of injury, I think it's a little different. Seager's not somebody that throughout his amateur career was ever hurt. It's just I feel like he was a little bit unlucky. So I'm back in on him. Yeah, I think I'd be trading four as well because I think you're hitting an all-time low in terms of where the value is on the board of Seager. And I think that's always the best time to buy in a player who has a pedigree, who has talent, who has some pretty good track record as well. He's been good, not great. The problem was, I think, the expectation whether he was going to be great out of the gate 
And unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way the last few seasons for a myriad of reasons. But the Dodgers are so loaded. It would be crazy to be trading away Corey Seager cheap if I was somebody who had him already in a keeper league. So uh, I think I'm holding Corey Seager unless I'm getting a really good value. But for the most part, my guess is you're selling him low. And if you're selling him low, (laughs) I want to be buying. I'm telling you right now, I'm one of the buyers with Craig as well. Let's go to the next guy who is Arizona Diamondbacks second baseman slash outfielder. I love a good slash, and it's Cattell Marte who obviously had a breakthrough season in 2019. You look at the stats, they are off the chart. 92 RBI, 97 runs scored, hit 320, 32 home runs. I mean, this guy was just incredible. And look, he only played 144 games and he put up those numbers, even missed some time. But here's the thing. When you dig into Marte, you realize that this is not a fluke because the second half of 2018 was basically the same slash that you saw over 2019. Now, I was a guy who was very, very high on the prospects of Marte having a big breakthrough year, but he far exceeded my expectations. And I think what happens is even if you like a player and he exceeds expectations, there's that little bit of panic going, oh, my goodness, is this sustainable now? Like, I know it's been very good, but is this as good as it gets. Is this the time to sell on him? So I'll put it to you, Craig, first. Cattell Marte, do you want to be trading for or do you want to trading away, Mr. Marte? Yeah, I, I like Marte, but I think it's more of a hold for me on him. I don't really want to acquire him, but if I drafted him, I'd probably keeping him because I'm going to need him at a league for the things that he can do, which includes hitting home runs and stealing bases. So I, I, I don't know if last season was an outlier. He certainly didn't show any of this previously to that. But look, the Diamondbacks didn't invest money in him. They signed him to a long, long-term long contract extension, so they certainly expected it. I would say there's probably some pullback coming off last year, but I wouldn't be looking to acquire him. If I drafted him, I don't know that he's a replaceable player, so it'd be a hold for me. I think even if you get regression on Marte, and obviously this year is going to be kind of a weird anomaly with the 60 games, but let's say you get... of what you got in 2019 over a full season of Marte, let's say in 2021. That's still a really, really good player. So for me, the only way I'm trading away Marte is if I'm getting just blown out of the water with an offer. We're talking multiple guys. We're talking about high-end prospects and major league ready talent. Like you've got to really come correct if you are getting Marte off my roster. I'm with Craig. I am holding. And if I have the opportunity to trade for, if there's an owner out there, that does not believe in what they saw last year or thinks it can't get any better than that. I'll tell you what, I will take these numbers with 85% regression, uh, not 85%, 85% of these numbers, excuse me, maybe a 10 to 15% regression from Marte. And I would be thrilled to have this player, especially the fact that he plays different positions, a little second base, a little outfield. That maneuverability is huge. I have a lot of Marte shares this year. And I actually was someone who traded away Marte last year in a few leagues because I was concerned about, my goodness, it's not sustainable. So I'm going to warn everybody else out there, don't make the same mistake I did. Trust the process. And keep Cattell Marte. Let's talk about some pitchers here who have been traded quite a bit here in this, I guess you want to call it offseason. I don't know what the heck we're calling the last three months, but let's just call it the offseason. <laughs> Making trades based on what the last four months? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to call it. There's no name for it. The pause. Let's call it the great pause. Maybe that's the best thing. Oh, let's talk about enough. Aaron Nola. Because of all the pitchers, Aaron Nola has been the guy who's been most traded, according to CBS. Now, 
when you're looking at Aaron Nola's stats, you go, wow, it's a pretty good pitcher here. Striking out over 200 guys, making 34 starts. I mean, to me, that's the biggest number. The problem with Nola is it was a bad start to the season, a bad finish to the season. So a lot of sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I can understand that because if you made the playoffs and you had Aaron Nola and he did not perform up to expectations, chances are you did not finish in the money, perhaps. And that can be very frustrating. The ERA is a little on the higher side, getting closer to four, but that's really because of the bad bookends of the season. Now, when we're in a 60-game season, is Aaron Nola a guy, Craig, that you want to be trading for or trading away? Because it seems like this is a guy that really is still more of a 1A than a true fantasy ace, but incredibly valuable still regardless. So where are you at with Aaron Nola and his value right now in 2020? Yeah, I've bumped up the values for all of the starting opening day pitchers that are on decent teams because I think that just from their counting stats – they're going to provide a lot more value. The other thing with Philadelphia is I don't see them being in it or out of it in the first few weeks, meaning I think they'll be around 500 with a chance. And because of that reason, I would be interested in having a Nola as, as somebody that maybe is my starting pitcher number two or somewhere along those lines, just because I know that if he does start opening day, he's in line to make more starts than somebody who is a fourth or fifth starter. That's not something that comes into the equation in a normal fantasy year. And in the month of March... I don't know that I would necessarily look at that, but we're in late late July, early August. I want guys who are going to make the most starts. I want guys that are going to accrue the most statistics. And in terms of strikeouts, because Nola is making the first start, he is bound to make the most. Yeah, I think the two biggest stats there for me are the game started at 34 and the strikeouts at 229. You can't have enough pitcher strikeouts. I'm sorry. If you're in those season long roto leagues, even the 60 game season is short. You need all the strikeouts you can get. And then when you think you have them, you need even more. And I would be looking at Aaron Nola just simply based on the strikeout rate. I'll deal with whatever whip and ERA gives me. He takes the ball every fifth day. He's striking out guys. That's enough for me. So I'm with you. I'm actually trading for Aaron Nola if he is available. And apparently He's available in a lot of spots. So let's go with the last guy here who was the second most traded pitcher, according to CBS. And I get this one quite a bit because this was a big Jekyll and Hyde last season for Madison Bumgarner. Now, last year, you look at the stats of Madison Bumgarner at home. He was dazzling on the road. He was over a five ERA. So we're talking from a two and a half ERA to a five and a half ERA when you're looking at the home road splits. And what does that mean? Well, it equates to a guy who only won nine games and equates to a guy with a three nine ERA because when you split him in the half, that's basically the picture you're getting. Now he's going away from San Francisco, away from that familiarity. And there's certainly a lot of questions here. What's left in the tank? How many miles are on this horse here with Madison Baumgartner? Because we all know he's one of the best big game pitchers that ever existed. However, we have to evaluate where he is right now and what he can do for us in 2020. Now, obviously, the Diamondbacks are a pretty good team. They certainly showed it last year. But Madison Bumgarner is a little bit of a tricky entity when you consider the injuries, when you consider the mileage. So he's not your normal 31-year-old pitcher, I think, right now. I think he's got a little bit more tread on the tire. So are you somebody who is trading for or trading away Madison Bumgarner this year? Yeah, very similar to Marte in the sense that if you drafted Bumgarner, why would you be looking to trade him? You know sort of what you bought when you got in on him. And again, another pitcher that is scheduled to make an opening day start. So you're counting those stats. You're getting good numbers. He's up against it a little bit. He's going to have to face the Rockies and face the Dodgers a little bit more than maybe some other teams as well. Uh, but it's it's more or less the same with me on him in terms of a hold. I just don't want to all of a sudden punt on a guy that I took in the draft season if I really had conviction for the guy. 
I don't think anything particular has changed for the Diamondbacks, and I don't see anything that has changed for Bumgarner. So it would probably be I wouldn't want to acquire him, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to trade him. Just hang on to him. That's by <laughs> the way that I would I will probably operate with a lot of my players. Yeah, I'm going to be trading away on Bumgarner. And the reason why is I think this whole reset and refresh is really interesting for him in Arizona because I think now his value has spiked up to as high as it possibly could be because hope springs eternal with a new season always. So if you can get two really good pitching bodies for Madison Bumgarner, I think I would take that and run. And I think you're going to need a lot of bodies this year. And especially if they're on the very good uh, scale of things, I would take that over the, the potential greatness of Madison Bumgarner. That's where I stand with that, Craig. I think I'm trading away, and I think you can get some pretty good value. Maybe the best value for Bumgarner right now is before the season actually begins. All right, with that, it's time for us to take a quick break here on FST. But when we come back next, we're going to play a little game. It's called Fantasy or Reality, a set of true or false questions that I will ask Joe. He'll give me his answer. I'll give you mine as well. Grid Fantasy Sports Today is back right after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It's time for a little fantasy sports today. And as we always close out our show each day with, we play some true or false questions and we have some fantasy or reality to get to here in just a second. Jeff Passan of ESPN reports that uh, Mookie Betts' contract, Joe, is maybe pushing $400 million. So needless to say, uh, anywhere close to that is going to be the richest contract, uh, I believe, in professional sports. I know it definitely is in baseball. I think it is uh, is going to be overall in terms of the guaranteed money. Remember, Mahomes signed this monstrosity of a contract, but not all of it is guaranteed. Uh, so uh, that's going to put Mookie Betts up there. And sometimes timing is everything, Joe. And, and Betts, I mean, what would he have? I mean, it kind of makes you think, what would he have commanded as a free agent if this is what he's getting as an extension? Yeah, it, it certainly is questionable. I mean, maybe they just don't want to get in a bidding war. Maybe they just feel like, hey, let's blow everybody else out of the water. It's good PR, and maybe we're showing you that we're committed not just to this year, but the, the next few years as well, being very competitive. And look, they are set up. They have such good youth coming through this system here with Gavin Lux, Walker Bueller's already an ace, uh, Dustin May, Urias. I mean, this is a team that's built for now and the future. So I understand locking up Mookie Betts. It's a lot of money in a long-term contract if and when it does all come down. So I don't know, 27-year-old playing till he's 40, who's a player who is really, you know, relying on his legs for a lot of his productivity. That's a little dicey for me. I think Cody Bellinger is the better investment, and I bring it back to what we talked about earlier in the show, is it what kind of money is Cody Bellinger going to get? Because guys who hit 40 home runs and <laughs> drive in 120 don't grow on trees either. Yeah, that is for sure. Uh, also, one other piece of news to give to you before we get to fantasy or reality, and it's one of the reasons that it's a good idea to watch this show. Uh, you may have been wondering a couple of days ago as we sort of went through a lot of the different uh, situations with players. Uh, I actually had somebody say to me, um, you know, I saw that you and Joe did a, a little segment there, a little Q&A with, with some sound on Brady Singer of the Kansas City Royals. And 
uh, asked the question, do you really think that he's going to be part of the Royals? I mean, he's never pitched in a major league game. He's never pitched basically above high A. Well, the Kansas City Royals uh, announced about 10 minutes ago that not only did Brady Singer make the Kansas City Royals 30-man roster, Joe, but he is starting the second game of the season for the Royals this year. <laughs> Now, that is eye-opening, considering he has never had any kind of high-level starts, but the Royals are in such a tough situation that they almost have no choice. Uh, but you talk about the hottest pickup off the fantasy waiver wire in terms of pitcher. Look, I don't know how many wins this guy is going to get for you, but it did pay off to watch fantasy sports today because Singer is in the Royals' rotation to start the season. Yeah, desperation is a hell of a drug, isn't it? If you're the Kansas City Royals, oh my goodness! I mean, look, they got no catchers left, they got no pitchers left. Under Dozier's on the IL, it's getting ugly over there real fast. Pretty soon, uh, we can get a tryout for you and me over there, and maybe we could play also. But don't let Monte Harrison hear this because this is not news he's going to like. He doesn't like that these other guys are going to get their their opportunity before he does. Uh, but look, it's I would certainly throw some fab on him. But what if he does stick? It's not like he has to pitch uh, two hundred innings. Yeah. Why not throw some fab on him? Let's do it. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I there was one more bit of news and also uh, something else to keep in mind, too, because early in the show, we did the birthdays and we do have a special right. guest here on the show. Still, it's Shawn Michaels who says, Craig Mish, how could I possibly not be worthy of the birthday wishes? I'm the greatest sports entertainer that ever lived. I'm the heartbreak kid. Come on, look at Shawn Michaels. Give him some love. Sexy boy. I'm not your boy, toy. So, yeah, happy birthday, Shawn Michaels. Just wanted to make sure he had an appearance on today's show. That is a clip right there that we will be using for all promotional uh, value here <laughs> on Fantasy Sports Today. I certainly hope so. Please let Cardano get a new commercial. Please, please let him get one. Well, we, we could, you know, I mean, I, I personally like Marcus Grant's commercial. That's my favorite. <laughs> All right. Uh, time for fantasy or reality here on the show. Let's get started. Uh, here is our first question of the day on fantasy or reality. Uh, Raheem Mostert uh, had a sit down with the San Francisco 49ers management this week. Of course, he, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago said that he wanted to be traded or be given a new contract. And he was told neither will happen. Mostert is coming off a career year for him. He's been a journeyman running back who I thought showed a ton last year. In fact, I bet Joe that he'd lead the league in rushing um, with the crazy odds that he has. I'm not as confident on that now that there's a possibility of him being traded. But regardless of that, we're going to ask today's question and lead off with you, Joe. Fantasy reality, will Raheem Mostert end up leading the 49ers in rushing this season? This is a tricky one. I actually think the answer is reality he will. But in terms of fantasy, I don't think he's going to be the return that you're hoping for. They're still paying Jarek McKinnon. They're still paying Tevin Coleman. And if you think they're not going to try to use those guys, you're wrong because that's what the Kyle Shanahan system is. So Mostert had a fantastic finish to the season, and obviously the playoff run was magical. But at the same time, this is a player who was on five different organizations in five years. And for five different NFL organizations to be wrong on a guy – is very, very bizarre. I think everything just broke right last year, and I do think he will get the most of it. And look, I don't blame him for trying to get paid right now because when you've been on five different organizations and you have a good season, you should come out and get your money because it's very difficult as a running back to get paid. But 
even though he's going to lead the the 49ers in rushing, he is not going to lead the league in rushing. And I don't think it's going to be quite the fantasy value that you hope for. I don't think he's going to crack a thousand, correct? That's me personally. What do you think? Fantasy or reality, he leads the 49ers in rushing. I mean, as long as Mostert is on their roster to start the season, I absolutely believe he's going to lead the team in rushing. And I've made it clear I think he's a dark horse candidate to lead the league in rushing. And unlike you, I have zero confidence in Tevin Coleman and less than zero in Jarek McKinnon. This guy hasn't been on the field in two years. I could care less. So I'm still a big Mostert fan. I don't feel as good now that he's popped off and has been clapped back a little bit, told that neither of the things that he's asking for are going to happen. Hopefully that won't affect anything in terms of his playing time at the start of the season. And I'm well aware that the 49ers have gone to multiple backs but one of those guys who was a key on third down in Matt Breida is now in Miami. And I think Mostert can catch the ball, too. So I'm going to say reality. Mostert will lead the 49ers in rushing. And by the way, I don't think it will be particularly close. All right, let's move on to our second topic of fantasy or reality today. And this one involves one of the prime TV shows of the 1990s and the 2000s, the show Friends, which was on NBC for a long time and has been in reruns forever and has been on demand with people watching it forever. We finally found out yesterday, Joe, that the cast of Friends has decided that they want more millions of dollars and are going to do a reunion. And so the question becomes, after watching Friends over and over and watching these episodes on demand... Are you interested in watching the Friends reunion when it begins? And I believe this is going to be on NBC's new app, if I'm not mistaken, their new uh, on-demand app. So fantasy reality, you're in on Friends. Well, first of all, uh, I, I requested a, a photo of the cast of Friends, and I guess Brett decided to just get hung up on the one picture of Jennifer Aniston. So uh, good Very on you, Brett. Uh, I hope your fiance is not watching, that you just isolated the one shot of Jennifer Aniston for us to get hung up on here. I'm going to say uh, reality. I will watch. I did absolutely enjoy the Friends series. It still makes me laugh when I catch it on the reruns. Maybe I'm just a simpleton. Who cares? If it makes me laugh, I'm going to watch it. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but at least out of curiosity and the hope for a few laughs, we all could need them. I, I, I think I'm going to watch it. How about you, Craig? Would you watch the reunion special? I think I absolutely would. So we're in agreement here. I think that this is reality. Uh, as far as I am concerned, uh, this is not something that I can't wait for. But given the nature of the lack of things on television lately and the lack of things on Netflix and on demand, we're looking for anything to watch. So hopefully when they put this together, they do a really good job. Uh, I enjoyed the show for many years. It, it wasn't like NBC said must see TV for me, but I, I did record it on a VHS or I did record it. Uh, you know, if it was direct TV, I would put it on my DVR and I would have gone back and watched it. So, yeah, I think the answer is I will watch uh, Friends as well. But it's not like I'm craving it at well, all. Well, I'll tell you what. My kids and I just finished, uh, well, over the last, I would say, eight months. We started Big Bang Theory from season one, episode one, all the way through. We just finished season 12, and now they want something new. And Friends was what everybody voted on. So now that we just finished that last week, we're on to Friends. So maybe we'll be able to finish it before the reunion special comes out. That'll be the That'll be the challenge. We'll see if we can get that done. Okay, let's move on from there to uh, let's talk about baseball a little bit. This is our third fantasy or reality topic. Major League Baseball has outlawed spitting by the players under the current climate. And, of course, this is going to be really difficult for a lot of players because a lot of them chew gum. 
a lot of them are just used to spitting. And of course, there are still players that use the tobacco dip. And and by the way, I've watched some games and I've still seen players in the exhibition using the tobacco uh, dip. I don't know where it's going. I don't know if there's a toilet nearby or something like that, but I'm hopeful that it's not going on the ground. And it does lead to our next question, Joe, which is, will baseball enforce no spitting in 2020 on the field? It's something very common that players have done, and they're being asked to not do it for safety reasons, which is, of course, smart. But fantasy or reality, they'll actually enforce it. No way. There is no way that they're going to force it. This is complete fantasy. I don't see how you possibly could. I think the sentiment is is right. I think they should try to, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I really don't. And I can't get the image out of my head of right when, uh, you know, in, in the naked gun in the first one where everyone is spitting the player's wives, the umpire, the players, everybody, because that's uh, it's kind of like a baseball tradition. I feel like, and uh, it's the image I have in my head when we're having this discussion. But I don't think there's any way they can enforce it. You already talked about it. There's, they're still dipping. They're still doing crazy things like that. Yeah. And it's, it, I, what do you do? You got that umpire walk up to the guy. Hey, don't do that, or else, or else what? Like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna enforce this over even sixty games? So I say fantasy. So we're two for two. Are we gonna agree three times today? Yeah, I, I would say. Um... I would say it's fantasy. It's going to be really difficult. I know the one thing that they are looking at for sure, and again, all these games are on TV, the prime focus of every single second of every baseball game is on the pitcher. And I do not think, Joe, I think the one thing that will be enforced is the pitcher touching uh, his mouth. And they now are allowing pitchers to have like a wet uh, rag in their back pocket or on the mound. And that is going (laughs) going to their mouth. So I can tell you that if that happens, it's going to be visual, and I do think that there's a chance that they may enforce it, or at the very least, there may be a warning to say don't do it. But as far as the spitting is concerned, I'm probably with you. I don't know how they could possibly stop it. And if it just happened once, I think that you could just tell a player not to do it, and it would be done. So I, well, I think we're, now that we're talking about it too, and the players go into their mouths, you know, the pitchers, what about the quarterbacks? Do we get the NFL? I mean, is there a second where a quarterback's hand is not in his mouth and he's walking around? Doing this, I mean, it's. I mean, let's let's think about that for a minute. That is a very difficult habit to break. And for the pitcher side, when guys have whatever the wet rag or whatever is there, how are we supposed to know exactly what's on there? And how long before somebody decides to take advantage of that allowance and push it a little bit too far? And the next thing you know, it's uh, another another famous uh, baseball movie uh, piece there, at least, where it's a old uh, Mr. Harris there, where he's got the uh, the Vagisil under one thing, he's got the Vaseline under another thing, he's got all these things. Next thing you know, they're all on the ball, including some extra things there <clears throat> from his nose. So how far away are we from all of that, potentially? It's going to be wacky and wild. There's no way they can enforce it. Uh, stay tuned, folks, because it's going to get wild. And the NFL, Craig, what about the quarterbacks? What? about the quarterbacks heck of a commentary on today's show that's for sure that about we got it all here uh, all right uh coming up Best next it's time for our... all, all day i guarantee you right here <laughs> it is time for our sports grid 60 coming up next joe and i are going to have a hot topic in baseball of some kind or football basketball which we're going to go over and then at the top of the hour uh we're going to be asking you to stay on the grid but that will do it for our show also don't forget joe and i'll be back here tomorrow at noon for another edition of Go. We got the Sports Grid 60 coming up next. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Before we get out of here, it's time for us to give you an opinion on something relevant in the world of sports. We call it the Sports Grid 60. So we'll start the timer and let Joe fire away here on this topic. Joe, take it away. In baseball, right, we're awaiting official words out there to Alyssa Nacken, who became the first female to ever be coaching uh, actually on the field in Major League Baseball. That's right. For the San Francisco Giants, she coached first base the other day in, in uh, one of the preseason games, and that is a huge deal, and hopefully opening the gates to more and more female coaches in professional sports and baseball and actually on the field as well. So congratulations to Alyssa and the San Francisco Giants. All right. Yeah, well said. I think that that is a really important topic right now in baseball. And I've actually had people texting me saying, hey, isn't this great? So um, I think it's definitely great as well for the Giants to go that route. Uh, Speaking of baseball and speaking of baseball being in all this kind of peril and all this kind of trouble and all this kind of financial trouble, uh, boy, they're in really bad shape. I mean, gosh, Mookie Betts only getting $400 million dollars to play baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, oh my gosh, this is horrible. They can't afford anything. The pandemic is destroying things. The Dodgers have no fans. And yet, we're giving out the biggest contract in professional sports history to a player in Major League Baseball. Uh, the sport is just fine financially. Do they get along? No. Do they have issues? Yes. But financially speaking, the sport is good, and it will never go away. And by the way, uh, this year in particular, how is baseball going to end up making more money? They're going to have all kinds of things on the mound, uh, ads, signs, all sort of new things that you've never expected before. Uh, those sort of things are coming too. So lots of money for Mookie Betts. I think that they're doing okay. Yeah, couldn't happen to a better guy too. Mookie Betts is a tremendous player, tremendous athlete, wonderful dude. So I hope he gets all the money in the world, and it looks like he might just get that much. Yeah, $400 million of it. All right, that'll do it for our show today. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. We'll catch you tomorrow here on Sports Grid at noon Eastern Baseball, NASCAR previews, and everything else. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Down the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.